In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. Outstanding material. So guys, I'm super excited to dive in deep to the root causes of the pornography addiction and how we as men can overcome them. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena, whose face is marked by dust and sweat and blood. Welcome to the Men in the Arena podcast, where we interview specialists in the realm of manhood. Each of our guests is an expert in their chosen field or cause as it relates to men. Our conviction is to call you into the arena of manhood, call you out of the faceless, nameless bleachers, and call you up to be the best version of you. Because when a man gets it, everyone wins. Enjoy today's episode. Men in the Arena Army, we salute you. Hey guys, thank you for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. I'm Jim Ramos, the host of Spotify's number one podcast for Christian men and your guide to help you live as your best version, even in the stress bubble of life while you're raising a family and beyond. And guys, I'm super excited about today's guest. As you know, we live in this uh, sexualized society and it seems like we are talking about pornography all the time. Uh, I've got a guy, he wrote a book that's unlike any book on finding freedom from pornography than any book I've ever read. This is actually probably my favorite book so far because what this author does, he actually addresses six root causes of a man trapped in pornography and he he gives you the lies, the truth, and then how to overcome it. And that's outstanding material. So guys, I'm super excited to dive in deep to the root causes of the pornography addiction and how we as men can overcome them. You guys, I want to move into our man laws today. And our man laws, as you know, are supplied by you. Whenever we use your man law, we will uh, send you some swag. If you hit us up with your physical address at info at This week's man law is simply this, guys. Never pee sitting down unless it's dark and late at night and you're worried that you can't hit your mark. Otherwise, it's all about standing up, guys, because you're a man. Don't lose your man card. Guys, I want to talk to you about this week's A Hero Story. This week's Hero Story is really cool. It comes out of Colorado. Uh, I do not have the man's name, but if this is you, hit us up and we'll send you some swag. He says this, thank you for your ministry. I've been recovering nice guy for the last nine months due to some circumstances in my marriage. I found your podcast a month ago and I can't stop listening. I binged 115 episodes and with your help, I joined a men's group and I'm starting a men's ministry at my church. Anytime you're in Colorado, hit me up. I'd love to be able to take you out for coffee or dinner. Hey, man, I lost your name, but hit me up. I'd love to do that, and I should be in Colorado soon. Hey, guys, thanks for making Men in the Arena podcast, Spotify's number one podcast for Christian men. Hey, guys, I'm excited today to bring our guest on the show, Ted Shimmer. Ted's a Dallas Theological Seminary trained pastoral sex addiction professional supervisor. 
He uh, has been mentoring guys since 1991. He helps people overcome the bondage of pornography in the context of making disciples. I love that part. Ted is the founder of The Freedom Fight, an online porn addiction recovery program. And this program is really unique, guys. There's something really unique about this program we're going to get to real quick. But he's the author of The Freedom Fight, The New Drug, and The Truths That Set Us Free, which so far in my repertoire of books, and there's about 30 of them now on porn addiction, this one is my favorite. So that's a big statement. You need to realize that, guys. And I'm going to tell you why in a bit. He lives in Fayetteville, Arkansas with his beautiful wife of 31 years, Amber. Ted, it's great to have you on the show, man. Hey, Jim. It's great to be here. Man, I'm excited. Hey, can you do us a favor just so our guys can get some context? Can you tell us a little bit more about you and your story? Uh, what makes you tick? Yeah. Well, uh, I was born in Southern California, grew up in Arkansas, wasn't raised going to church, but came to Christ when I was 17. Um, you know, I was... You know, growing up here in the South, football is king. So, man, I grew up playing football, played football uh, for the Razorbacks of Arkansas. Oh, wow. Uh, and so when I went to the U of A as a college student uh, and played ball there, I had only been following Christ for about a year. Uh, wasn't raised going to church, and um, but got plugged into a campus ministry while I was in college. Met my wife through that ministry and really caught a vision to make disciples, um, you know, there, you know, started leading Bible studies with the guys on my football team. And uh, eventually my wife and I went on staff with that ministry, student mobilization. And oh, wow. you know, I've been discipling, you know, men since 1991. Um, and so that was, yeah, really, you know, uh, a little bit of, you know, my background with college and, you know, how I got into the ministry. That's so whereabouts in Southern California? Escondido is where I was born. Is that northern San Diego? Yeah, just north of San Diego. All yeah. right. So I grew up about yeah. five hours up the road in San Luis Obispo. So, oh, wow. and so, so I'm guessing I'm position. I'm going to say you're a receiver DB. Yeah, linebacker, man. Linebacker. What? So, you, you know, what was that? Yeah. So you looked skinny. How <laughs> tall? You were probably bigger. Yeah, yeah. So oh. I've tried to, you know, I've tried to, you know, slim down a little bit from the, the college days. Okay. Give me your uh, height and weight in college. Uh, six, one, two twenty five. All right. Okay. I was a six foot yeah. two twenty guy. I was a running back though. Yeah. I was a linebacker in high school, oh, nice. a fullback in college. So I was about an inch too short for a linebacker. So, uh, <laughs> so you and I are not going to be friends. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just messing. Hey man, I appreciate this. So, so in, in, in your book, you said that Freedom Fight is a gospel-centered approach that is biblically-based, scientifically-informed, and holistic. So tell us about the Freedom Fight and what makes it so unique. Yeah, and just, you know, really that holistic approach that, you know, for a lot of guys that begin to get help in this area, you know, particularly in the church, you know, the pastor or, you know, the, the men's ministry leader can really address the issue a lot of times only from a spiritual, you know, aspect, which is the most important. But a lot of times, to be honest, Jim, that just multiplies the shame, you yeah. know, with the messages, hey, guys, come on, just love Jesus more and quit. But when we begin to understand the brain science, for instance, and how pornography changes a person's brain, then it really equips us to more effectively apply some of the principles from scripture, like 
renewing our minds that, you know, Romans 12, two tells us transformation happens yeah. by renewing our minds. And so understanding a little bit of the, um, you know, brain science can help us more effectively renew the minds and build new pathways. The same for emotions. Most guys don't realize that they have emotional triggers that lead them to relapse. You know, everybody understands, oh, hey, if I'm stimulated, you know, through my sight, that's going to be a trigger. But a lot of guys don't understand their bigger trigger is their emotional triggers. And that for a lot of them, they've been using porn to cope and medicate the stress in their life. And so when a guy doesn't understand that, he regularly gets blindsided by his mm. emotions. But when men begin to understand, hey, my emotions is what is triggering me to go use porn, because a lot of times guys will think, man, this huge urge to use porn hits them out of nowhere. But when we go back, it's typically related to an emotional trigger. And so understanding those things, man, just equips men to address this issue uh, more effectively. And that's one of the things that I think makes uh, you know, pornography addiction so difficult to break mm -hmm. is there are so many layers, so much underneath the surface. Uh, but the encouraging part about that, Jim, is, man, the healing can also be very deep. Mm -hmm. The growth mm -hmm. in Christ can also be very deep. Um, and so it's not just a, a problem to solve, but it's actually an opportunity for deep discipleship. Yeah. You know, you talked about blindsided. I, I got blindsided a couple of times in my career and I call it snot bubble because once you get blindsided, you start blowing <laughs> snot bubbles. And so we're trying to help these guys to not get snot bubbled by their own stuff. And, you know, you spent uh, of the six root root, I'm calling them root causes. Maybe I shouldn't do that. Of the six roots that lead to pornography addiction, shame is one of them. And of those six roots, you spent three chapters on shame. I might need to have you come back on the show and just talk about shame because I've never understood shame the way you articulated it and the de-shaming uh, from the pulpit. Uh, by the way, a pulpit where most pastors are struggling with pornography statistically that you bring out in your book. And so this de-shaming thing is a big, big deal. And so I have a question about your program because when I was looking through your program and reading your book, it actually says that your program, and this is really I don't think I've ever heard this from a podcast guest before you in your book. You said the program's free. Is that yes. true? Yep. It, yeah, it is free. It's a six month uh, program, very, you know, holistic and uh, very thorough. We systematically, you know, systematically walk through the six roots of a porn addiction and help, help guys address those. Uh, we have a leader guide so that groups can go through them. Um, so we we wanted to make it we wanted to make it free, and it's you know something the Lord has really been using um, in significant ways to help men find freedom. Um, and so we we've been really encouraged with you know those who have invested. Uh, we have a pay it forward model, and what we say is when you find freedom we ask you to pay it forward for the next guy. And, mm. and, and so, you know, the Lord has, has really been using the, the program in significant ways and, and helping a large percentage of men find freedom, not just 
um, in a short term, but long term freedom and genuine freedom. And so, um, man, that's something that we're, we're excited to share. Guys, I hope you heard that. <laughs> this is a free program. And the focus is to not shame you, but to bring healing and freedom. This is really unique. I'm, I'm really, really impressed. I'm surprised I haven't heard of this program before because our feelers are out there. So this is really impressive. So, so, you know, as I read through your book and, and your book started off, like a lot of the books I've read that talks about the statistics, but this pornography has become an epidemic uh, in our society, in our church. In fact, so bad, Josh McDowell, you quote in your book as saying, right at this moment, there's never been anything in history that is destroying more churches, more pastors, more marriages, and more young people than pornography. You go on to say that 16 states in, in the U.S. have called porn a public health crisis. So as I look at this, and I would agree wholeheartedly, I just assume 100% of guys uh, struggle on some level with lust and its effects, and our digital digital marketing consultant is a woman, and she said from only from the comments that she sees on social media she says at least 80 percent of the guys who she's watching and interacting or you know watching a post and and uh, make comments are in prop trouble with porn so my question is on this ted man where are we heading i mean do you see porn ever being limited or censored in any way i mean to me that makes the most sense what do you see happening down the road because this is becoming a public health crisis yeah. And it's, you know, the level at you know, and a lot of, a lot of people don't realize, cause you know, some people will say, well, you know, Hey, porn's been around forever and each generation just has to deal with it. But what most don't realize is the seismic shift that happened, you know, before 2006 and high speed internet, most of the pornography being consumed uh, on the internet were photographs, Yeah, but with high, high speed, internet that all changed and then with the iphone in 07 you know it became possible for somebody to you know watch an endless buffet of videos um you know right there on their yeah for free on their iphone and when you combine that and so that's a that's something new we've never seen seen this amount of porn agreed but then when you when you combine that with that amount of porn is now um, you know, colliding with the adolescent brain, which is much more susceptible to addictive substances. And so somebody gets addicted to a substance before they're 18, the chances that that becomes a lifelong struggle go way up because yep. the adolescent brain is more moldable and susceptible. This is why we have laws in place to keep, keep, keep addictive substances away from the adolescent brain. And and so when you put that in the place that, man, since 07, that amount of porn, that hardcore nature of porn is now available to so many adolescent brains. We are creating a generation more deeply addicted and impacted to porn than anything we've ever seen. There's nothing even close. Agreed. And, and so, yeah, when you when you think of the impact of that, um, you know, and I write, write in my book just about some of the trends that, you know, we see from that. So do you see somehow government stepping in and censoring pornography or 
limiting access? Because right now it's just type it in. It's free. It's all over the place. Do you see something? I, In my opinion, something has to give. Do you see that down the road anytime soon? You know, I, I pray so, um, yeah. you know, and I, I do think more and more secular people and social scientists are looking at the data, looking at the mm -hmm. impact. Um, you know, and one of the things I, I mentioned in my book that uh, it's actually in the, in the epilogue, but just, you know, there, there are some things that could be done, um, you know, to remove porn, you know, from public consumption and make it, Hey, you have to go, you know, to at dot XXX, you know, to get any kind of adult yeah. content and yeah. anybody who wants it can still go there. But right now the onus is on parents. You know, you get your iPhone, you get a new computer and man, there's free access. And so why not just simply make it where the onus is on the person who wants to go look at porn versus the families who are trying to, you know, protect their kids. Um, and so, you know, it seems like there is some common sense um, legislation that could happen. You know, UK, you know, tried to do something three or four years ago, but it was unenforceable. And so, but it was the science and the impact of porn that led to legislation in the UK. Um, I think there's some legislation that could happen that could be a little more effective in common yeah. sense. Um, so I'm prayerful that will happen. Well, it's, it's alarming. And our podcast is targeting guys who have a family, right? So these guys have families, their kids are, you know, infant up into their early twenties. And I, our podcast addresses the actual man, but these men need to realize they have children uh, in your book on page 25. Uh, you list research that the more porn usage, the, the more your son or daughter will tend towards bisexual behavior. Uh, you also list on page 29 that a lot of young men are not having sex at all because and you, you quote an alarming quote from John uh, musician John Mayer about they're not having sex. Can you explain why they're not having sex? It's not what these guys think. Well, yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, as an example, you know, one of the one of the college students that was in my group a few years ago, you know, he told me as a high school student that, you know, he wasn't really interested in dating because to quote him, he said, I got all the good girls. I got the best girls in porn. And so he had a sexual outlet and release through porn and masturbation. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, his, his need, you know, for, Hey, pursuing women was much less, you know, John Mayer, he, he says that he prefers masturbation and fantasy to sex with a woman. And, and so that's the thing that we, we have to realize is, you know, if a 12 year old gets hooked on porn and masturbation, he's training his mind on what arouses him. He's training what his appetite and it's all based on a screen and, you know, solo sex. Yep. And so that's very different than actual, you know, mar healthy marital sex. And so um, it causes, you know, huge issues. And, you know, we can see in the stats how many people, you know, 
men between 18 and 30 who aren't having sex. Mm -hmm. It's at an all-time high. And one of the reasons is we are training young boys at an early age. Hey, sex is something you watch and something you engage in personally. And so that's that's what we're training young men. Um, and so the obviously the impact on marriages and families is is huge. Yeah, I thought I was a, I was a little bit taken back by that stat. I thought the more pornography usage, the higher the sex rates would be, but it's actually the opposite effect. And so you've been talking about, you know, brain science and how the brain works. And we've had guys explain this a little bit on the show, this porn pathway, if you will. Will you give us a little review of what happens in the limbic system with the prefrontal cortex, dopamine, oxytocin, uh, these things when viewing pornography? Give us a little scientific uh, dialogue. Yeah. Well, you know, when... You know, we do anything habitually, you know, the brain makes new connections. And when we mm. do something over and over, those connections get stronger. Um, and so, man, a porn, you know, so that's why we can do certain things like tie our shoe, ride our bike. We don't have to think because the brain for efficiency sake, man, they want to, it wants to go into automation. Yeah. The quicker it can go into automation, the quicker it can focus on other things. That's how it becomes efficient. And so a porn pathway, man, becomes automated. And so, and this is where, as I was talking about the emotional trigger. So for a lot of guys, man, stress, porn has become the place they've gone to, to medicate, to numb out, to de-stress. And so, man, the next time they're stressed, and here's the thing a lot of people don't realize, you know, dopamine is the pleasure chemical our brains release when we experience pleasure. But the brain also releases dopamine in the anticipation of pleasure. And so, yeah, when I so if I've if I've been using porn to medicate my stress, the next time I'm stressed, my brain releases dopamine to start the craving to go down that porn pathway. Because it, it wants to lead me to that place that mm -hmm. in the brain's mind is going to bring survival. It's in survival mode. Hey, where can I go to feel better, to take, to numb out on this stress and anxiety? And so, and again, man, all of this is happening at the subconscious level. It doesn't mean that a man is not responsible for their porn use because mm -hmm. they are. Yep. But understanding this can help give us hope that hey, we can, at the point of temptation, we can actually build a new pathway. Instead of the old pathway, man, leading to porn, we can build a new pathway. And that's, you know, through one of our, our tools that we teach in our program, we teach men how at the point of temptation, you can actually build a new pathway in the brain and renew your mind to, to re, you know, experience transformation. Well, not only is the release of dopamine uh, an issue, but explain what happens with oxytocin. Yeah, and that's you know because one of one of the roots, uh, which we'll get into later, is yeah. isolation. Yep. And but you know, oxytocin is the bonding chem you know bonding chemical our brains release to create a bond. Um, and so when a person experiences, you know, skin-to-skin uh, -skin contact, 
or orgasm, sexual arousal, oxytocin is released and it creates this bond. And so one of the things that takes place is when men start watching porn and a lot of times they'll pick out kind of their favorite actress or scenes or those kinds of things. And when they are watching porn and they're climaxing to porn, they're releasing oxytocin and they're bonding to the people in those videos. Wow. And, you know, therapists actually call this dating porn because guys start a emotional connection to their porn. And, and this is, this is again, I mean, another factor that makes the connection to porn deep is porn becomes a place where men can go to always feel wanted. Mm. If I feel rejected or insignificant in my real life, I can go to a place that can make me feel accepted and significant, you know, where I'm always wanted and, um, and that is a very powerful pull towards porn. So it's not just physical, and, but it's, man, this emotional connection. People go to porn because it's doing something for them. And it's not mm-hmm. just the sex and release, uh, but there's this emotional uh, element to it as well. Oh, that's so powerful. But there is hope. And there's another scientific word I want you to unpack, and it's neuroplasticity. Yes. And, you know, the encouraging thing about neuroplasticity is that the brain is still moldable and it's still shapeable. You know, science thought that, hey, once you get past 25 or 30, man, the brain can't be reformed. And but we now know it continues to be reformed. It's easier Mm. when a person's younger, but even for older folks, the brain can be moldable. And so. That's the encouraging part. The porn pathways go deep for somebody Mm -hmm. addicted to porn. But man, those pathways can be renewed. Transformation happens by renewing the mind. And and so, man, the, the scriptures give us that hope. Brain science has now caught up with the scriptures that, man, that transformation and renewing of the mind, man, that that happens you know, for anybody at any age because of neuroplasticity. Hey guys, if you, you guys listening, if you are struggling right now, and I know a lot of you guys are many, many, many guys, you need to just say that word over and over in your head, neuroplasticity. That is a word that gives you hope. So, Hey, so I want to talk Ted about the part of your book. It's a very large section of the book that I have never read in any book before to my recollection, where you really address the roots of porn addiction. And you said this in your book, you said each of these six factors driving porn or sex addiction is most effectively addressed for, and I love this from a biblical gospel centered and scientific approach. All truth is God's truth and science helps clarify where God's truth should be applied. And I like the fact that you said, you know, science is caught up with the God, the word of God, because if we believe the Bible that's our foundation and science it'll all catch up eventually but i want to dive into these root causes they start on page 112 of your book but before we dive into the roots these six roots can you help me understand what exactly you mean by root yeah and those are man what's below the surface that has to be addressed 
for long-term freedom to take place. You know, I use the analogy in the book that, you know, if you have a, a yard that's full of weeds, you know, and you mow it, man, it looks great at first. It's like, man, hey, I've got it under control. Man, man look at that yard. But in a couple of weeks, man, those weeds are going to be, man, coming back up because you didn't address the roots. And man, so much of, you know, porn addiction, if you don't address the roots, you can do all kinds of stuff. You can, man, give up your, your technology, which I think is, you know, could be part of the plan for a season. Uh, but man, if you don't address the roots, you're always going to find access at some point. And man, it's, it's going to come roaring back. And so it's important to address these roots if we want long-term freedom. Uh, you got to dig a little bit to get these roots out. Uh, but man, the payoff is so worth it with a genuine and lasting freedom. So would it be safe to say on my part that a root is also a root cause, root cause, or is that inaccurate? No. Yeah. I think you could use that because okay. these are, these are factors that drive, you know, sometimes I use the word driver. It's like, this is what's going on below the surface that is driving the person. And when a person understands that, then they can address it effectively. But for so many, just becoming aware of these uh, can make a, a big difference. Well, and this is really good. And I'm, I'm really open with my listeners. You know, I, I, I'm a man, right? So if you look at me and you go, hey, there's a man, you know, there's a, there's a struggle with lust even into my mid-50s. And so it's really interesting to me as I went through this, I went, oh, okay, uh, sexualized tempt, you know, uh, society, that's a, a root area. Like when I'm triggered, I have covenant eyes on all my devices, right? So I've mowed the lawn, so to speak, but identifying, oh, wait, this or this emo negative emotion or this, you know, so this has been really good to kind of go, oh, that's why I feel that way that time. And you know what I mean? So it's been really good yeah. for me as a man to identify and go, oh, this makes a lot of sense. So I really appreciate this stuff, just even on a personal level, just going, okay, that that makes a lot of sense. It's not just that I'm a dirty scoundrel who looks at women or whatever. It's that there are some causes that we need to, or roots that we can address so that when those triggers come, we can go, okay, that's what this is. And we can identify the lie, deal with it with the truth and apply something to it to find freedom. So I really appreciate this. And so I want to start off with root number one. And so it is, I'm just kind of go right through the stuff here. I'm going to, I want to deal with the lie, the truth and the application. So root number one is a sexualized society. In other words, and we've talked about this a lot and anybody who's got a pulse would, would agree. Temptation, Ted is everywhere. So what is the lie? Well, the lie, you know, there could be multiple ones, you know, driving this is, hey, I'm going to miss out. Oh, fear of missing out, uh, you know, can can be one of the lies that, hey, if I, um, you know, if I'm not, you know, hey, on social media or if hey, I'm not watching certain things, then I'm going to, you know, miss out um, if I'm, you know, not, uh, you know, exposing myself to you know, certain opportunities online, then I'm going to, you know, miss out. And so I think, you know, recognizing, you know, that, that, hey, you know, really kind of the first lie that Satan told Adam and Eve that, 
you know, just the idea that, hey, if you follow God's standards for holiness and purity, you're going to be missing out. And, and, you know, the sexualized society is basically access. Yeah. Yep. Is what we're talking about. And in any addiction, the greater the access, the more people are going to be addicted. And the greater the access, the more difficult it is to break an addiction. You know, if somebody was addicted to, to cocaine and they always walked around with a baggie of cocaine in their front pocket, do you think it would be difficult for them to break their addiction? <laughs> well, you know, this is our baggie of cocaine. It's, you know, yes. the iPhone that, you know, everybody's got it in their pocket or purse. Um, and so just recognizing, um, yeah, the the triggers that that come with a sexualized society and you know taking steps that hey i'm gonna i'm gonna limit my media i'm gonna choose god's standards for what i let into my mind um knowing that his way is best and so that's a that's a significant one yeah and i love the application you said commit to detox you know it's okay to have a flip phone it's okay to get rid of netflix it's okay to get off facebook you, uh, you also wrote to identify sexual environmental triggers, establish boundaries and find accountability for deepen convictions and pursue holiness. Those are all wonderful. Anything you want to add there? No. Yeah. And, and this is, you know, like I said, this is the most obvious one and it's, yeah. it's critical. Yep. You know, G Jesus said, Hey, if your eye, right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. And so, getting radical and you know so you can establish um a period of detox and sobriety is important and and so man you know especially in the first few months of of you know man trying to overcome a porn addiction and really establishing some strong boundaries is critical yeah i think that is so powerful that's why we're partnered up with covenant eyes because to me covenant eyes it really helps a man detox when he knows his wife's going to see every image or whatever. So uh, things like yeah. this um, or, or putting on your phone, a firewall uh, or doing that as a parent, this is the thing I hope parents are listening and building boundaries to protect their kids from porn addiction, especially these uh, yeah. Christian families. We have to protect our children from this. I don't know why a child which, has to have which a Jim, Jim, well, and I, I would I would interject this. I'm regularly surprised at the Christian dads. You know, when I, hey, what are you doing to block your kid's stuff? Nothing. You know, how many don't have anything? Or, you know, it's they haven't thought through. It's like, man, so many more people have access to our kids' minds. Yep. Some of the most, you know, horrible people that they're capturing the hearts and minds of a generation and unfortunately so many christian parents you know they're it's happening right underneath their nose and so oh man I it's happening it. in their checkbook yeah so exactly. so what would you suggest so uh, i'm I, my kids are in their 20s now but i'm a parent of teenagers i'm a christian man what can i do to lower the temptation through this phone situation yeah, well, you know, on our website, which again, our resources there are free. We have, uh, you know, we review some different resources. We show people how to lock up your iPhone. You can lock up your your uh, device, and so mm. we 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 tell people how to do that. 
We actually give some reviews. Uh, you know, Covenant Eyes is one we recommend. Another one we recommend, and probably even more so for parents, is something called Canopy. Oh, but okay. It actually blocks, man, all images, even text images. Because, you know, one of the things that's happening with, you know, junior high and high school students is sexting, uh, which is massive. And so Canopy is a great resource. Again, we we review that on our website and let parents, you know, know about that opportunity. Well, well um, we're going to provide a link to Canopy on our, our show notes. Also, we're going to provide your website address. What is it? Thefreedomfight.org. Okay, that's, um, man, that's yeah. good stuff. The I've never, so Canopy, I think I've, I've heard of it before. So I appreciate this. So, well, let's yeah. move on. Unless you have yeah. anything to add, let's move on to root cause number two. And this is the, and we've talked about this already. This is the addicted brain. In other words, this is the brain that's been changed by porn. Can you walk us through the lie and the truth here, Ted? Yeah. Um, you know, the, the lie, you know, that porn causes unfixable problems mm. that won't change is one of the lies that that happens because men have tried so long to change they made commitments to god they made commitments to themselves they've prayed to god to take this temptation away and yet man it remains mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. and it's not because man you know you're you're some kind of hopeless pervert but our brains have been rewired mm. and you know again transformation happens by renewing our mind and so man this people understanding this reality um man it gives a lot of people hope and yes. you know we we teach a tool that when a person starts using it man they they can start like i said building new pathways and it's really been powerful um, that, you know, a powerful tool that people have seen, you know, some pretty significant results from. Um, and so, again, it's, man, the brain science enabling us to more effectively renew our minds uh, with God's truth. Well, you know, I don't know if this is the tool you're talking about, but will you walk us through uh, on page 105, the brace acrostic? When, yes. when we're with the addicted brain, what is this brace acrostic and how is it a a great tool for guys dealing with this yeah. route. Well, and one of the things, you know, there's two parts of the, you know, there's a lot of parts of the brain too. I want to mention the prefrontal cortex and the limbic system. And man, when somebody uses porn regularly, the limbic system takes over the prefrontal cortex, which is, you know, where we make decisions, mm -hmm. where we make moral decisions, where we have impulse control. These are our breaks. This this part of the brain, man, when a person is triggered, this part of the brain kind of goes offline. Mm. It doesn't get the blood flow and the oxygen. And so, and that's why, man, the porn pathway takes over and it becomes, you know, that's why people think, man, I'm just helpless. Wow. And so yeah. one of one of the things we do with this tool is something the Navy SEALs do when they're in combat called combat breathing to calm them down, to get more oxygen to the prefrontal cortex. And so brace, the B stands for breathe deeply to get more oxygen to this part of the brain so we can have impulse control and make better decisions. 
remember the truth is the R. We remember because when we're triggered sexually, we focus on that on that sin, that trigger, on the release. But the R stands for remember the truth, where we remember God's truth. And, and then the A and the C, uh, accountability is, man, we reach out. Um, or the, the A, the accountability call is where we reach out, text a friend, we break, you know, we break uh, isolation. And, and so that's the C. The A is ask, ask God for help. And so this happens. Uh, and then the E is escape isolation. Because think about it for a minute, Jim, when somebody's triggered, they typically move towards isolation. They're, they're focused on, man, this sin and the release. And so they're moving away from people. They're moving towards the temptation and they're focused on the temptation. Brace helped people move away from the temptation. I'm breaking isolation. I'm reaching out. I'm getting help. I'm leaving uh, you know, moving to a public place and all of that can happen within, you know, 30 seconds. Boom. I'm tempted, man. I start breathing. I begin to remember that scripture. I text a friend, Hey man, I'm being triggered. Pray for me. You know, we have a, we have an app, you know, and a website on our app. We have an I'm triggered button, man. Oh. You just hit that. It goes to your accountability immediately. And so it's like, Hey, my three or four friends, Man, they know I'm triggered and they're praying for me. Wow. Well, all of a sudden, when you break isolation like that, you're creating a new pathway. Instead of going into isolation, man, you're reaching out. And so, um, yeah, so our you can find our, you know, app. Uh, again, it's all free, um, you know, on the Apple Store, Google Store. Uh, but we, we have, you know, the ability... You know, to you can connect with accountability, and then you can use the "I'm triggered" button, which you know has proven to be really helpful. Well, you know, it's, I'm laughing at this a little bit because I could actually I use the stop acrostic if I ever get lost in the woods. I might start using the brace acrostic. I like yours better. <laughs> Breathe deeply. Remember the truth. Ask God for help. Call a friend and escape the situation. Man, that reminds me of a long night in the Yolo Boli wilderness with a broken headlamp. So <laughs> I'm being triggered, man. I'm being triggered. Anyway, that's so good. I appreciate that, man. Hey, let's look at root cause number three. It's isolation. And I thought this was interesting. I don't know who you're quoting in this in the book, but you quoted somebody uh, saying the opposite. This is so powerful to me. This is going to tweet, man. The opposite of addiction is not sobriety. It is connectedness, man. That's so powerful. Can you walk us through this root of isolation, the lie and the truth? Yes. And you know, the isolation is man. It's a, it's a powerful root. Um, because here's the deal. We, we touched on this a little bit before that one of the pools to por pornography is fake intimacy. Yeah. And when a person doesn't have real intimacy in their real life, then the fake intimacy of porn becomes a stronger draw. Um, and when, when there is sin and when there's shame in our life, it causes us to pull back even more. 
And so isolation, man, is where the sin happens. And it's where we we pull back from our relationships and we, you know, pull back from those closest to us. Because, you know, James 5.16 tells us, therefore confess your sin to one yep. another and pray to one another that you may be healed. And so it's in confession where healing is found. And so when we are isolating, man, we're moving away from healing. We're moving away from freedom. And that's one of the things that's, you know, challenging about shame is shame causes us to hide. Yeah. And so isolation, moving towards relationships, being honest and open, confessing sin, that is where healing is found. And so that's why it's so important to have accountability partners, to have a small group. You know, somebody can go through our program with an accountability partner. We encourage people to go through, if at all possible, with a small group um, because, you know, there's just so much more healing that can take place in that environment. Um, when a person experiences unconditional love, you know, from another person, man, that encouragement, that accountability, mm -hmm. it's more easy for them, you know, to receive that lo their love of God because because of shame, so many people wonder if God loves them. They they yeah. walk around with this self condemnation, and so experiencing that in personal relationships enables us to experience it at a, at a higher level in our relationship with God. And so, um, man, when we're not connecting with others and with God in a personal relationship, it, it makes us more vulnerable for the fake intimacy of porn. But when we press into those relationships, man, it, it really addresses that, that root of isolation. Oh, that's really good, man. And so what are some applications there? Just authentic accountability, correct? Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, confessing. And I would say this to you know the men that are listening, man, the first step towards freedom, man, is confessing. Yep. And yeah. not just, you know, as Christian men, we have learned to deny, minimize, and rationalize our struggle with porn for so long because of the shame. But man, having authentic, you know, accountability, being uh, you know, open and honest, confessing fully what's going on, man, it's, it's so free. And, you know, and that, again, that's what the scripture says. That's the start of the healing process. And so if there are men that are listening that, you know, have had partial confessions, man, my, my plea to them, man, is to step out of the shadows and confess with a brother, a mentor, a pastor, you know, somebody you trust, um, and to start the healing process. Yeah. When I talk about confession, I'm, I, I tell the guys, just throw the words out there and let them hang in the air and just shut up and be quiet and just, just throw them out. Because what we tend to do is we tend to minimize what the problem really is. So throw them out there, guy, throw them out there. I'm telling you, if you're talking to a bro, He's struggling with lust on some level. So throw it out there. Yeah. Even if he's free from lust, he still battles it. It's out there. So throw it out there, guys. So that's number three, isolation. Number four, uh, I thought that this one was really powerful. Uh, what you know, Whether it's food or lust, or this is really not just a porn thing. This is anything a guy struggles with. 
chewing tobacco, smoking cigarettes, drinking alcohol. So this was really powerful. And again, this is stuff I've never heard before, right? I've never been through a 12-step program. So this is really new for me. So root number four is negative emotions. Can you unpack the lie and the truth? And I do want to get to this uh, really cool acrostic that you mentioned on page 185. But let's talk about the lie about negative emotions and the truth behind it. And then we'll get into the application. Yeah, they, you know, in negative emotions, we touched on, you know, briefly before. Yeah. Um, you know, but one of the lies that drives it, particularly for men, is, hey, I can handle my emotions on my own. Mm. Man, I don't I don't want to be, you know, some girly emotional guy. You know, I, I want to, <laughs> you know, stuff it, man. I just kind of suck it up and go, you know, rub some dirt on it, man. Let's let's roll. Uh talking about your emotions, man, that's, that's very, you know, unmanly. Um, you know, and I would direct this to King David, man, the warrior King. Yeah. You read through the book of Psalms. Uh, man, this was the giant slayer that man, he processed his emotions with God. And, you know, one of the examples that he gives us is in Psalm 139, 23 and 24 where he says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try mm -hmm. me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there is any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, as we look at that passage, David recognized that he had anxiety and he wasn't sure where it was coming from. He said, God, search me and mm -hmm. see if this is connected to a hurtful way. Hey, is this anxiety something I brought up on myself? Man, was there, you know, is this a man a lie? Is this, you know, what's going on here? Mm -hmm. And learning to do that with God and with others, man, is huge because men who are emotionally aware and have emotional intelligence, man, they're better leaders. Yeah, absolutely. They're better at relationships. But men who are unaware of their emotions, they don't have the emotional intelligence. Man, they, they have a, a huge blind spot that others see, they don't see. And so, man, the huge lie that, man, hey, men don't mess around with the sissy stuff of emotions. Um, when we start growing in our emotional awareness, man, we really begin to, you know, experience and start living up to our potential as leaders, as men with our, you know, as husbands, with our wives, as fathers, with our children, um, and man, this is one of the one of the cool things that we see in our program is that men who go through our program, man, the emotional awareness and intelligence that they gain because you know part of the process is man a daily check in that takes two or three minutes, mm. you know where we identify our emotion, hey, how we're feeling, what's going on, hey, what is what do I need to be aware of related to this. Um, hey, where's this coming from? And man, it just, it adds a whole new dimension, man, to them, their relationships that they haven't experienced before. Um, you know, that's really been powerful. Uh, and to be honest, I think this is a practical way, Jim, that we can love God with all of our heart. Oh. That we take this thing of emotions that we've just learned to medicate yep. and cope. Instead of saying, God, I, I want to invite you into this area of my life so I can love you with my emotions and with all of my heart. Um, and so it's really, it's really been, been powerful. 
to help guys grow in that emotional awareness so they can identify their emotional triggers um, and, you know, begin to walk in freedom. Yeah, that's really good. You know, you know, we talk about these emotional triggers, you know, I was always taught this halt acrostic, hungry, angry, lonely, tired, but that really falls short in a lot of ways. And so I really like your blasted with two S's acrostic, and I'm just going to read it to you and I'll let you just explain it a little bit. So here are the, here are the, the triggers that go with the letter guys. So boredom, loneliness, anxiety, stress, self-doubt, ticked off, exhausted and depressed. So how, how did you identify these as emotional triggers and how important is this for us to identify these when they come up? Yeah. And, you know, and those are, you know, those are the ones that have been most often identified as triggers, you know, for men struggling with porn or women. Um, but yeah. And so, man, you can't, overcome something that you haven't identified and so man identifying it man is is the first important step and and so as you begin hey what are those things that man typically lead man to me going to porn to cope mm -hmm. and you know for some people man boredom would be near the top of the list it's like man when i'm bored when i don't you know and and each each person's different like i said for others it may may be stress, self-doubting is a big one. Um, and that's one of those ones that, man, uh, that it's, it goes deeper because it's like, Hey, when I self-doubt, I want to go to the place that helps me feel significant. Well, subconsciously, most people don't know that, Hey, going to porn has made them feel significant. Mm. Um, and they don't realize that, Hey, that's one of the draws that porn has in their life. Um, and so this acrostic has, has been helpful because it's broad enough that, hey, people can begin to start identifying. And when they check in, hey, man, I'm kind of bored. And, hey, my wife's going out of town this week, so I know I need to be more vigilant. And, mm -hmm. hey, mm -hmm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reach out and I'm going to plan some things with my friends. Instead of just sitting at home by myself bored all weekend, I'm going to, when you begin to grow in your emotional awareness, you can start, you know, taking uh, steps to, you know, address those issues. Yeah, I think this is very powerful just to identify, hey, here's where I'm at right now. And you talked about King David earlier, but we we learned later on, and we, especially from Psalm 139 back to Psalm 51, boredom got him. If he could have identified yeah, boredom, you know, when the kings went off the war, boredom, boredom took him out, you know, because he wasn't expecting yeah. to look down and see this beautiful woman naked you know, bathing uh, in the house below them, you know, so uh, we need to really identify these things. And so now root five, you know, I mean, root five is kind of like the one ring to rule them all type of thing. I mean, this is like, this is the biggie. You spent three chapters on shame. You spent one on the others. And in your book, you said this powerful, powerful quote about shame. You said, Shame is the most consistent key driver of unwanted sexual behavior. Shame convinces us that we are unwanted and we pursue behavior that confirms it. To find freedom, disarm the power of shame. And then you continued, shame is the most interconnected and influential root 
of addiction. Well, I guess there's no holding back there. No participation trophy of these six. <laughs> shame, shame seems to come out on top, man. So uh, you got want to unpack the yeah. lie and the truth there? Yeah. Well, and you know, and that's a man. Shame is man incredibly powerful because you know, for believers, for followers of Christ we should be living out of our identity in Christ that man, we are beloved sons of God, mm -hmm. sons of the King. And yet shame tells us that man, we are unwanted that mm. we man are that man, God's done with us that man, if people really knew us, man, they would run from us. And instead of living out of this exalted position in Christ, Man, so many believers are living out of a shame identity, walking around in defeat, really the mm. opposite, you know, of Romans 8.1, that therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Shame. Nice. I just wrote that down. I was going to quote it. You got me, man. You got me. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Yeah, sorry. No, and that's and that's the essence of shame is mm -hmm. a self-condemnation. And it's something that drives people into isolation. What did Adam and Eve do when they felt the shame? They hid. They hid from God. They hid from one another. Uh, shame is the biggest driver with our negative emotions. You mm -hmm. know, if you're going to unpack, man, what's causing people to be more depressed, self-doubting, you know, Man, shame is that driver. And here's the thing, Jim, that's important for people to realize is that, you know, there's shame with any addiction, but particularly for the Christian who struggles with a porn or a sex addiction, mm -hmm. because it goes against, it goes against our morals, our standards on so many levels. And, and so, man, it, it just, it, it multiplies. And so when we stay in secrecy, and the isolation, shame keeps us isolated. Shame is why we deny, we minimize, we rationalize. Um, and so, man, it it has its fingers in each one of these drivers. Um, you know, the next one, we'll talk about trauma, the same thing. It's these shame messages, which, you know, when the scripture talks about spiritual warfare, um, in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5, Mm -hmm. You know, it talks about strongholds, that a stronghold is a lie that we believed about ourselves, about God, about life in general. Yep. And the way we win spiritual battles is we've got to destroy the strongholds. And for so many believers, it's the stronghold of shame that, man, I'm unwanted, that God's done with me. I have unfixable problems that nobody struggles like I do. I'm never going to get free from this. And those, that spiritual warfare being unleashed through shame, man, it is, is powerful. And, and again, we focus on identity in Christ in our program. And that's one of the you know most powerful and beautiful parts of what we get to see in the lives of men is, man, they come out not just more emotionally intelligent, not just renew their mind, but man, they're living out of their identity in Christ at a practical level, like they never have before. And man, it's it's powerful. And people start living the truths of the gospel 
you know, at that level. Well, I think that's the key is, do we believe what God says? You know, do we believe what the Bible says? You know, we, in Romans 8, 1, you quoted it. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And I thought, well, let's just carry this Romans 8 through. Let's go through this thing. Romans 8, 28, right? God turns your mess into his message. It says that God works all things out for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And if you continue that all the way out to freedom, we see uh, verse 37. But in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. And then Paul goes on and talks about, he's convinced that nothing can separate us from the love of God. And so these are things that truths that we can hold on to uh, in the midst of the battle, right? And in the midst of uh, being yeah. tempted to experience shame. And so I, I, I'm very intrigued on this subject. I think this might warrant an entire episode interview because uh, shame is a massive issue uh, in and outside of the church and in our hearts and outside as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I would, we just produced um, a six week video Bible study through um, Right Now Media, and we have it on our website. So again, it's free. Um, but we, I walk through the six lessons out of Ephesians, mm -hmm. but on this topic of identity. And, but yeah, so that could be, you know, you know, really hit shame and, and, you know, man, how identity in Christ really addresses that root. Um, so all that to say, Hey, I'd love to come back and dive deeper into that particular yeah. you know, topic. I think we might need to, cause I think that we're scratching the surface. You know, I hear yeah. a lot of talk. I hear a lot of talk these days about guilt and shame, guilt and shame. I've got, I've met numerous uh, friends of mine who have said, well, I don't go to church or this, or that, cause, uh, guilt and shame, or I'm tired of the guilt and shame. And, and I've always asked myself, well, what is, what is, I don't experience, I don't experience very much shame. So I don't really relate necessarily. So I'm trying to understand what this is. So I would like to dive deeper into this to gain a better understanding personally, so that I can help guys when they're going through it. Is that, I mean, is that a wrong, am I in denial saying I don't experience much shame? I mean, I'm sure there's shame out there, but I don't, feel like or i don't think i'm experiencing is that denial on my part i don't think so you know we just met but i don't i don't think so because i think if if somebody is you know living out of their identity in christ they're living out of you know romans 8 1 that's you know god doesn't want us to be walking around in okay shame. And, okay yeah well so, i just want to be careful absolutely. i'm not living in denial right i want to live out as my best version yeah. So as I, as I hear the shame word, I go, man, there's something to this that's powerful. I don't necessarily understand it. So I want to dive deeper into this so we can talk offline but and maybe get another episode scheduled because yeah. you've got three powerful chapters in here. So let's get to root cause number six. And uh, this, is, this is, I was surprised to see this at the bottom of the list. I know it's not an order of importance, but to me, trauma, you know, uh, you know, and we see one out of three women and one out of four men are sexually abused and divorce rates and fatherlessness. And the, I would expect trauma to be a, a massive route for a lot of people. So can you uh, talk about trauma, the lie and the truth here? Yeah. Yeah. And, and trauma is, man, is, um, man, a significant um, route. And, you know, and basically the idea is that when, a person experiences trauma, you know, trauma experts tell us that it's not the actual event of the trauma, but it's what we tell ourselves to cope with the trauma, to move forward. It's the lies that we tell ourselves that are uh -huh. the most damaging 
and long lasting. Um, and, you know, as an example, if somebody experiences um, abuse, one of the lies that can actually do the most damage is, man, this was my fault. Yep. Hear it all the time. You know, that, and when a person, man, goes there and they believe that, man, that, that lie actually does more damage and it feeds the shame mentality that, mm -hmm. man, there must be something wrong with me. That, man, if this happened to me, man, this is, this, there must be something wrong with me. God's done with me. I deserve this. I have, you know, unfixable problems. Um, and, you know, it's, it's important, you know, and particularly as you think, Hey, divorce, Hey, this was my fault. Hey, you know, fatherless home, man, my dad didn't love me. He, you know, ran out because I had problems, man. All of those things can create strongholds in a person's mind that man, Hey, I'm deficient. I have these problems. And again, when somebody has unresolved trauma, when they have these strongholds, that, man, that feeds these negative emotions. So as an example, so if somebody has that undergoing, you know, that underlying trauma and they experience some feedback like, hey, man, this was a great show, but man, you know, your football analogy kind of fell flat. You know, <laughs> you know, you would say, hey, man, I, I appreciate the feedback and then move on, not think twice about it. But somebody who has this underlying trauma, man, that's going to, crush them yeah. they're going to either get defensive or they're going to man it's and so as an example but that kind of thing would send that person man into a porn bench oh because yeah. it's like man hey that was just a little bit of feedback and man but hey because they haven't dealt with what's going on below the surface their reaction man is much more emotionally you know deep and negative than it mm. should be if they were, you know, had, you know, processed it in a healthy way. And so that gives an example. And so again, a lot of times guys be triggered by stuff that man, until they start processing some of that trauma, the lies they believed about themselves and where that comes from, um, man, that's, it gives a mysterious piece to the, because guys are like, dude, why do I keep going back to this? Mm -hmm. You know, why when my wife criticizes me, do I want to run to porn, you know, and whatever it may be. Uh, and so, man, getting to those roots uh, of the trauma and those lies, um, man, it's significant. Again, it is spiritual warfare. Yeah, trauma absolutely. is one of the things that the enemy uses to implant lies in a person's life. Well, and you know, on page 61 of your book, you list the six uh, ways to process pain, which we don't have time to go into right now, but I will include that in a blog and probably guys, another equipping episode. So you talk about the six roots. So we have the sexualized society is root one. Root two is the addicted brain. Root three is isolation. Root four is negative emotions. Root five is shame. Root six is trauma. This is such powerful stuff, Ted. I am so thankful for having you on the show. Unfortunately, we're out of time. So we're going to have to get off the call, but I'm going to bring you back on if that's okay. Cause I think you've got some great stuff. I'd like these guys to hear. And we just uh, don't have the time to do it right now. 
Hey, Jim, I've enjoyed the time, man. I'd love to come back sometime. Yeah, it'd be great. So I got a, so one final question here. So on page 16, you said 95% of U.S. teenagers have a smartphone. So what do you want to tell their dads right now? Yeah, 95% have access to a smartphone is, uh -huh. you know, man, have the conversation with your kids about porn and the danger. Uh, and it doesn't need to just be an one conversation, but an ongoing dialogue. Um, and help them, you know, lock up their phones. Again, they can go to the, the freedomfight.org. We, we teach them, hey, this is how you lock up your, your kid's iPhone. And we have some other you know, resources on there that can help parents navigate this topic in an effective way, but a way that will really, you know, help, help prevent them from getting hooked, you know, early with this. And I, I really appreciate that so much. So guys, we're going to get our boots on the ground right now. So guys, what's next? What action step are you going to take because of what you heard from Ted today? I've got two options for you guys. The first one is this. I, I'm assuming that every guy listening has some kind of struggle against lust and pornography. So based on that, I'm going to say this, go back and review the six roots that are leading a person into porn and identify the roots that mostly affect you identify those. Second option is this. I'm thinking this isn't even an option. Second mandate is this. If you're a dad with kids in the home, lock the iPhone. I'm serious. How hard is it for you to lock the iPhone protect? I mean, lock the phone. <laughs> I don't know what to say here. Lock the phone. <laughs> My Dale's going crazy because the sound's going off the hook. So Ted, thanks so much for taking time to be with us today. Share your wisdom. Uh, the great stuff that's in the pages of this book and I look forward to seeing you soon. All right, Jim. Thanks a lot. Enjoyed it. All right. Hey man, take uh, some time and head over to our website at menandarena.org. Grab your free copy of my book. Tell them what great fathers tell their sons and daughters. While you're there, make sure you sign up, click the join our program button to join one of our many virtual teams that will help you become your best version. Until next time, feel the wet sand on the arena floor. Hear the deafening roar of the crowd. Taste the sweetness of victory. Smell the stench of battle. Get in the game. Get dirty. Grind it out. Lock that phone and be a man. You've been listening to the Men in the Arena podcast. If you hunger to be your best version, then join thousands of men from around the world in our Men in the Arena forum on Facebook. This is the best place to have open discussions around the topic of biblical manhood. Make sure to explore our website at meninthearena.org, sign up for the weekly equipping blast, and take advantage of our many free resources designed to help you become your best version of a man. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. Remember, when a man gets it, Everyone wins. What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men's from around the world and find out the type of dad you are.